welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Today, I've got a really special guest. His name is Scott Lips, and he's the host of the podcast Lip Service. He's also the founder of One Management, which was a modeling agency, right? Am I correct on that? It still is, yeah. Still is a modeling agency. I know you're an author, a blogger, and you're a drummer for the band Hole with Courtney Love, which I'm excited to get into because I have a lot of questions. And I saw a couple of snippets of you playing the drums, which was sure. incredible to me. And I mean, we name- just go by, we've been going by Courtney's name for the last seven or eight years. So the band is just goes by her moniker. Courtney Love. Okay. And you're also a native New Yorker and you moved to LA in 2017 and you launched Lips LA, a model celebrity influencer boutique agency. True. And I love the people that you have so far. You have talents such as Cardi B, Gucci Mane, Helena Christensen, and Devin Aoki, who uh, incidentally I know from the Upper East Side. And I ran into her once in LA and we kept saying we're going to get together. And of course we never did. You know, one of my favorite people, actually her kids just shot the new Marc Jacobs campaign. So they're the face of Marc Jacobs kids. She's been a client and a friend for many, many years. And I also work sometimes with her brother, Steve Aoki. So the whole family is like, you know, family to me, which is great. You know, they lived down the block on 63rd Street from where my shop was. And it was right down the block from um, Francesco Scavulo, who was sure. a very famous photographer for yeah. Cosmo. And they used to borrow shoes for me. And it was so great. They used to let me in and watch him work. And Devin lived in a townhouse down the block. I mean, it was so chic. I don't have to tell you. Well, I want to get into that later about New York City nightlife. It was it was amazing. Yeah, but I want to know first, how involved are you in the agency and dealing with well, the talent? Um, yeah, so 2001, I started One Management. I'm not really connected to it as much anymore. I came out to LA, like you said, about four years ago to start Lips LA. So I'm very involved. I mean, I think anything that I'm going to be connected to, whether it be my name on it or something that I'm even photography, podcast, whatever, I'm super involved in the creative process. I'm involved in managing people. I'm obviously involved with certain clients I've been working hand in hand with for many, many years. So I think in the model agency space, I was if not the first, one of the first to work with influencers. So many, many years ago, I started working with people like Rocky Barnes. Uh, back then I had Camilla Rose and people like that. Before it was like a thing to represent influencers and people would say to me, that's kind of like stupid. You're going to charge people for to post a picture and how's that going to work? And I'm like, well, I feel like the business is definitely headed in that direction. So early on, I was involved in the influencer world and early on, I was involved in the celebrity endorsement world. From a modeling perspective, I started working with clients like ASAP Rocky many years ago and worked on his branding early on. So, you know, it's been something that's been inherent to me working with musicians and people like that, because obviously I'm from that, I'm from that field. So me working with artists, musicians, it's, it's pretty apropos for who I am because that's where I come from. So when I'm working with Courtney Love on the brand side, or I'm working with, like you said, Gucci Mane or Helena Christensen, like I come from that perspective versus just like a mathematical equation where do this, it's good for this. I feel like you need to understand artists and what they would and wouldn't do. And obviously I wouldn't bring certain artists endorsements and jobs that I feel like are not part of their brand and, and who they are. I'm super involved and back to your initial question and very hands-on and signing people, managing people. I mean, I'd love what I do. I've always been an artistic person. So I definitely have my hands in a bunch of different things and I always have. So I know and I was going to say, way, I hope I answered that question. I don't you know. did answer it, but I mean, I was going to say earlier, I mean, you, you seem like you get bored easily. I mean, you, you have so much on your plate and you're telling yeah. me you still want to take on even more stuff, which is crazy. I mean, I'm lazy. I can't do half the shit that you do, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, God bless you that you do it in and you do it all so well. Um, but you had Thank to you. have a certain 
good intuition to know about bloggers and influencers because you know I'm a person and we're about the same age I still think it's a fad when people still tell me I got to get on Instagram and be more you know there I always say and everybody knows this from my podcast I don't want to be I mean I yeah. do the podcast I love it but you know I don't want to do all the other stuff that I have to do you know I'm, I design shoes I, I have a shop and everyone says you got to be more um you know into social media it's not my thing you had to be really intuitive to know that this was going to take off with influencers and bloggers because nobody else knew. Yeah, it's funny, Rich. What you, what, what you do with your line, what I do, it's all marketing in a sense, right? So, you know, everything that I do when it comes time to social media and, and what I've been involved with, I just look at it as an extension of marketing. So really, I mean, there's a lot of pros social media. There's a lot of negativity. Obviously, I, I'm really about the positivity behind it. But I just have to look at it as like, in what a publicist does. I mean, it's, it's the easiest way to reach thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. In some cases, if you're a big enough celebrity, millions of people within seconds, right? So, you know, I try to look at the bright side of social media, obviously, in what we're going through now in culture and what just happened, the attack of the Capitol Wednesday, there, there's some real dangerous aspects to social media. But uh, when you look at social media perspective, uh, the perspective of making money and marketing, I mean, it's one of the it's one of the ways that the business was heading. And I just I love the merging of tech and fashion. And so early on, I saw that happening and I was like, listen, I'd be uh, obsolete in this world. I definitely have to find a way to, to be ahead of the curve. And so even now, there's a new medium called Clubhouse that I've been on almost daily giving like talks on. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, but what is Clubhouse? Explain it. So Clubhouse is like this new app. It's sort oh, of Brad, like Brad is telling me he knows what it is. <laughs> sure. So oh, he's on it. Of, okay, what do I know? He's on it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess Brad could tell you too, but Clubhouse you is a way me. that it's sort of like the old school chat rooms where people go in, there's no video, it's only audio. It's almost like a podcast that people can join the conversation. And there's a lot of niche conversations about everything from Bitcoin to the futurist branding of cannabis, of whatever you might think of, there's a topic that someone's having a discussion. Some people that I know go in there for hours. And that's the easiest way to explain it right now. By the way, I just got on to like a week ago, but it's sort of networking for people now that can't network in real life because we obviously we can't go out and network in real life. So people are on there for hours a day. They're connecting with people. From my end, I'm giving, I'm on panels talking about, today I'm talking with a guy, a friend of mine that runs the biggest esports video game team in America, and it's about managing talent in the digital era. Tomorrow I'm on a panel talking about talent and brands, and then on Friday I'm talking about podcasts. So by the way, you could us on some of these if you want. Well, and, uh, yeah, and, people, and people chime in. Sometimes it's 50 people in a room. Sometimes it's thousands. People like Tiffany Haddish and Mark Cuban and Gary Vee and a whole bunch of people and, and celebrities and high-profile people are on there on a daily basis. And it's, listen, it just started. It's got a lot of heat right now. I don't know if it's going to be the breakout app of this year, but I feel like a lot of people are starting to tune in. We all have way too much time on our hands right now. So it's like, what do you do with your time? If you want to network, you want to be productive. And let's say you can't work like you normally do because there's this, you know, obviously this COVID era wherein you, people can't work at the pace they normally do. So it's, it's a good way to be productive, I guess, in some cases and, and still sort of, you know, be doing what you do. Right. I want to ask you before I even move on, how has it been during the lockdowns there for you? I mean, I looked at your Instagram and you live on the beach, I'm assuming, right? You live in Malibu? Um, I don't, but I'm oh, okay. always on the west side or on the beach or hiking or, you know, again, right. I saw California, you California is a beautiful place to be. And obviously, if you watch the news now, everybody wants to sort of jump off, off the ledge. I mean, 
it's not I, I can't even watch the news rich because it's such a depressing thing and you see the numbers and you know I, I just i would say just to people be smart like wear a mask it's not that difficult and obviously if we want to get through this we have to do the right thing which we're not right now so you know i'm still finding ways to get out there i have to be active i have a very active brain i need to do things like this to keep me active uh it's not great in california but I had COVID uh, probably two months ago. I actually got it in New York. I was super safe and, and even I got it. So it's crazy. I mean, I have the antibodies now. I just got tested a few days ago. Uh, so I'm still being extremely careful. But, you know, it's, I'm trying to find a way to live carefully and get out there and do things like hiking. Like yesterday, I went hiking uh, in the Pacific Palisades with a friend. But we, we specifically went to a hike where there was very few people there, right? Because if you go to certain trails like Runyon, it's, you know, there's tons of people there. And, and I would say probably a quarter of the people don't wear masks. So how do you do, you know, certain things safely and how do you get out there? There's a way to do it. You just have to use your brain and, and, and just be smart about it, obviously. Right. I agree with that. I mean, we went to Miami, which was a very difficult decision for us to make because, you know, we were afraid to go. Yes. I'm not paranoid about getting sick. We live in New York City, too. But um, yeah. during the whole quarantine, we came to New Jersey, where I am now. And, um, you know, we're by the beach here. So we quarantined here for eight months. And so, you know, going outside, we didn't really need to wear a mask because we didn't see anybody, you know, unless I went to the grocery store, I did all the shopping, I did everything. Sure. So of course, I wore my mask, but going to Miami was a big thing. If the school didn't quarantine the kids after intercession for two weeks, I probably wouldn't have gone, I would have stayed here yeah. in New York City. And just but just the fact that there was intercession, and I know how lucky we are to have in learning in school learning for our kids. But still the thought of having two weeks off of no school and then another two weeks off, I, we decided to go. And I will say we were very careful. I got my COVID test back. I'm, I'm negative and we're now waiting for Brad's and the kids to come back. So yeah, there's a paranoia that comes with it. But Scott, on the other hand, for me is I got to live. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm, not, it's I'm not a young guy. I don't know how many years I got left. I got to live. <laughs> Both you and I. Well, it's funny because no, when, you look at, when you look at Miami, it seems like there's, it feels like there's not COVID there. I mean, I looked at I was on everyone's Instagram, obviously, during the holidays, you would look at places like Tulum and they were having like these full on raves. And I was like, did anybody get the memo that this thing is raging? And obviously your people are probably spreading it. So I don't know. I just think there's a fine line, right? You want to be safe. You want to live, um, but you don't want to be stupid about it. And it's, it's very easy to follow the rules. But we live in a society that's so disjointed. And again, if you turn on the news right now, we're living through second impeachment. Uh, right now, as we speak, I was watching it before I came on with you. I mean, everyone is so disjointed and divided that it's like, you know, come together, do the right thing. You have everyone's in their own jurisdiction. Everyone's doing their own thing. And because there's no unity there, God, I mean, I would love to say by March, this is going to be under control. But I'm a very optimistic and positive person. But I'd probably say more realistically, the end of the year for something like this, when I'm, when I'm walking the vaccine rollout and whatnot. Wow, you really think the end of the year? That's Yeah, because scary. I feel like, it's, first of all, between the mess that's this vaccine rollout that it doesn't seem like, I mean, I, I talk to people that are from Israel and it's like, you know, 15% of the population is already inoculated. And, 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 and I feel like they're, you know, they're on track by March to have the entire, of course, it's a much smaller right. country, but like, why are they so efficient and why are we so behind in this? There's a reason for that. This has been throughout history with Israel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's very interesting. And it makes me kind of, you know, question why are we living in Israel? I always say that to Brad. I mean, at yeah. some point, I mean, I think if I can get enough of my family to move to Israel, I'd actually go there. That's where my father was from. 
Listen, if things don't get better this year, I mean, we, we all might have to move to somewhere else, whether it be Canada, whether it's smart about it, or New Zealand, where they basically eradicated it, or places like Israel, where hopefully everybody will have the vaccine soon. So right. this country is not on the right trajectory to, to be done with this terrible disease soon. I mean, we're definitely not, you know, the, the vaccine rollout is not what everyone thought it would be at, at the moment. Right. Well, that's scary because um, I was more hopeful than that. I'm more optimistic, but I like hearing your point of view because it makes me a little bit cautious. Anyway, I want to get back to the whole modeling thing because what amazes me is that when I was younger, not when I was younger, when I started Chucky's and we started carrying all these designers back in the day, it was, you know, it was more like Donna Karen, it was Todd Oldham, it was Mark Jacobs. And we used to go to the fashion shows and you know, it was the rat pack of models of Helena Christensen. It was um, Linda Evangelist, Cindy Crawford, um, Naomi Campbell, Kate Moss. It was incredible. I mean, it was incredible. By the way, I represented, ha- I represented about half of those people you just mentioned. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Well, okay. Helena, I, Helena, I still work with. You work with that, I know. Naomi, I worked with for years. Uh, I worked with Claudia Schiffer. I worked with Amon for years. Um, Iman is a character. She's come into the store many times. Her and Cindy, I actually know. She's an incredibly strong woman. And obviously it was a huge Bowie fan. So it was an honor to work with her and be part of that whole eco-culture for for many years. So, Yeah, it's amazing. But today it seems to have been kind of a death in this supermodel era. You know, we, I miss that golden age of where the supermodels were really supermodels. It was fun to go to a show. It was fun to watch. You know, I remember going uh, to the tents and um, when they moved all the fashion shows from, you know, random places to the actual tents in Bryant Park, not only did they get more boring, but I remember the fashion shows, they started putting bags over the models' faces because I guess they got tired of paying all these high prices. So they wanted to feature just the clothing. Mm-hmm. But they didn't realize that it just became boring. Yeah, people I mean, want to see. I, I agree with you. I miss, I miss the golden age of that era, and, and I, I love the era when supermodels were supermodels and they were personalities. I think now, obviously, we've moved to an era where people want you know incredible. They want a story when when they they want to use people. I mean, you I don't know how often you use people in campaigns for what you do, but everybody wants a story now. So it's like they want somebody that's a writer that has a point of view that has a history that you know not to say that people don't now but that's when i talk to people now i talk to advertisers it's always like well what else do people do you know tell me their story so i find that now more than ever the story becomes as important as people look and so the day of just being like a pretty face without something you know something else to offer people it's probably i feel like you know, people want that entire package more so now than ever. It's funny. I was going to say that it's like, who is the next Cindy Crawford? Who's the next Kate Moss? And more importantly, who cares? Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you. And I, I, to be honest with you, I really don't even know every single new model out there. I've been deep uh, headfirst in the celebrity and, and influence the world now for about eight or nine years. So I still represent models. But, you know, representing models in LA versus New York is much different, right? In New York, you have a lot of super high fashion models. You have people doing campaigns all the time, obviously the runway shows. In LA, it's more, you know, the, the business out here is primarily like e-com. You know, there's some advertisement, you know, there's guests, there's, you know, Forever 21 and things like that. But it's a different business in LA, obviously. Having having started and run an agency here for many years, uh, there's definitely more celebrities and influencers in LA versus just day-to-day models, I feel like it's more prevalent. So, you know, my focus on a daily basis is finding deals for those people. Um, but I agree with you. I, listen, I was around and represented so many of those huge models during the day. I mean, I definitely, I worked and started with people like Candace Wampool, Rena Shake early on, as well as all the ones I just mentioned. So 
that was definitely, you know, especially the Naomi, Helena, Cindy, Kate era. I mean, that that was an, a golden age of fashion and modeling that I don't know if that'll return. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I mean, it's, it's definitely not what it used to be. No, you're actually right. It's not what it used to be at all. I mean, for me to even stop going to the shows completely was a little bit surprising because it was kind of what I loved the whole, that was the whole part of having the shops and doing the buying and was the traveling, the going to the shows. And But they changed so dramatically that, yeah. you know, I just stopped going. What were some um, of your favorite shows to go to back then? Okay, it's funny. I'm going to tell you, Mark Jacobs, Isaac Mizrahi, and Todd Oldham. I know they're not prevalent designers today, yeah. but I got to tell you back then with Naomi and Cindy and Kate Moss, I mean, it was incredible. Even Donna Karen. Donna Karen once had a fashion show in her showroom, which was not very big. So they, she had this long path where I sat in the front and I didn't know I was sitting next to Donna's husband who had who had passed away since then she was the one that passed away, but I was sitting next to him. I forgot his name. I didn't know who he was, but we were actually kind of making fun of the models in a cute way. You know, I was saying, you know, who is it? Linda needs to eat something. Kate Moss was so small and bow-legged. You know, I'm like, I can't believe it. All you need is Calvin Klein to say, you're beautiful. I mean, and she was, she's an icon and right. gorgeous, but it's like there you saw her and she was tiny coming right after Linda, right after Naomi. And then Cindy with the boobs, you know, bounces up on the stage with her hair. It was just so surreal. I, I just wanted to take my hand and touch her. I just wanted to do that. It was just incredible. Those days were great. But I would say Isaac Mizrahi, Todd Oldham, Mark Jacobs, and Donna Car they had great shows because they were in small venues. Mark Jacobs' fashion shows were like parties. It was almost yeah. like going to Twilo or the Roxy back in the day. It was a party. You know, he'd You're have breaking the, out some references from years ago, Twilo. That's I know, I, I know. I'm giving my age away, but they were fun. And I am gonna say I was very young. I yeah. started going very young. I was 15, 16, because I had older friends. They got me into these places. It was actually the first time I ever saw Madonna was at the Roxy. You know how you'd find your seat in, at a Mark Jacobs show? He'd have shirtless models. You know, not even models, like kind of like muscular guys holding sure. a sign, H, G, A, B, you know, to see. And that's what his thing was. I mean, it was you'd walk in, you felt like you were at Twilo, is that kind yeah. of thing. But then all of a sudden the models would come out, Scott, and you'd have these wafy, skinny male models. And, you know, the women models were the same beautiful, skinny, it was the Rat Pack. But the male models were nothing like the guys that were working the, right. the fashion show or the party. Yeah. It was just, they were great. And Isaac Mizrahi, they, these guys really knew how to put on a show. Definitely. Yeah. Mark, the Mark shows were great. And I was actually at a bunch of shows at Donna's place. I think you're talking about the residency she had on like, it was in, in the West Village on like 10th yes. Street or something. Yes. And I used to live uh, literally right next door. So I went to a bunch of the shows there. Um, but you're right. I mean, and back then shows were spectacles. I mean, I don't even know. Now they're doing like virtual shows with COVID going on. And right. There's some interesting things going on. I mean, again, I love the intersection of tech and fashion. So I'm all about like, I mean, at some point I represented like a digital model not long ago. That was one of the first like digital models that was out there. How uh, does that work? What is a digital model? How does that well, work? Well, it wasn't, well, there's little Michaela who's probably the biggest in the space. And so she's an example of like a digital model where it's actually, it's a rendering, right? So it's a computer rendering. Right. Uh, it's almost, I feel like it's just a little bit before people's time. I mean, little Michaela is doing well in terms of brand endorsements and paid social deals and things like that. But you know, when we would pitch Daisy, this digital model we were working with, I mean, people were like, well, what do you mean? Like, how do we put clothes on a digital model? How do we shoot her? I'm like, well, you're not shooting her, but we we can do a rendering for you. And it's, you know, it's time consuming. It's expensive. But again, like, I love that intersection. So for me, it was a super exciting idea. It was only about a year ago we did this and we got tons of press on it. But, you know, you can get a lot of press, but you still need advertisers to be like, we want to use this virtual model in an ad. And if they don't, because it's too soon, 
then obviously, you know, we're not there yet. But I do believe we'll get there sooner than later. And answer your question, I mean, it, it's basically, like I said, it's a, it's a digital replica of a model. And so her name was Daisy that we represented. And, and again, we, you know, there's all these, I don't know, I'm not sure if you read some of the articles like WWD about like the virtual clothing and like the virtual sneakers they can make and things like that. So it's all like coming together in this new sort of AI virtual world. Again, I think we're a little bit ahead of the curve with it. I don't think we're there yet in terms of like, I mean, you will see little Michaela in some ads, but the fact that you asked me what it is, right? We're not there yet. We'll be there right. when everyone knows what it is. So. Do you think it's also we're going there, not only because of what's happening now with COVID, but do you think it's also a cheaper route of getting models these days as opposed to what we used to do? Yeah, I mean, obviously a couple of years ago, they started doing unrecognizable on all the e-coms and cutting you know, models' heads off and everything. Right. So everything is in an effort to save money. But again, if we think about the golden age of supermodels, like we were talking about it, Okay, people weren't saving money, but there were there was a presence there. You knew everyone's name. These were real brands. And when I first started working with people like Claudia Schiffer and Amon and Helena Christensen, I was so excited. And Naomi, obviously, I was so excited because it was about working on brands. And not to say that there's not a bunch of models now that they're brands, but you know, I don't know. I feel like the household name thing is is less prevalent than it was years ago. If you asked anyone on the street years ago, tell me three supermodels, they would say Kate Moss, Naomi Campbell, and Cindy Crawford. I don't know if you can do that these days. No, you can't. I mean, I'm in the business and I don't really know. I mean, right. I know Gigi Haddad because her and her sister uh, wore my shoes. And other than that, you know, there's maybe a couple I might know, Giselle, and she's not even new anymore. Right, right. Now but, she's so, yeah, that's already 10, 15 years old. At this isn't point. it? It's crazy. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. So it's almost, it seems as though the companies need the models more than the models need the companies. So if a model has 2 million followers, it's almost as if a company needs her because she's got the following. So it's almost like the tables have turned as opposed to you making a, a beautiful girl like Kate Moss. You look at her and go, okay, she's beautiful. I'm going to make her a star. It yeah. doesn't work like that anymore. Now the actual model who has 2 million followers makes you the star. Right, exactly. Well, again, it's going back to marketing, right? If you're a brand and you're going to spend 50 grand, 100 grand, whatever it may be on talent, can they market your product, right? If you hire someone rich for an ad campaign, you want to make sure that by putting someone in an ad campaign and paying a lot of money for them, you're going to get the marketing value out of that spend. And if you're not, then you're going to find someone that's going to resonate for you. It could be a celebrity then. So right. whoever it is, you want to make sure that that translates, whether it's followers for your brand, whether it's just an ROI on, you know, on spending the money to make sure you get sales. And a lot of celebrities don't translate for sales these days. I mean, there's countless celebrities that advertise things that they don't translate to sales. So finding people that translate is always very interesting. I mean, you have people like Gwyneth Paltrow that have done an incredible job with her brand and people like that. But for every Gwyneth Paltrow, there's a bunch of other celebrities and personalities and models and whoever it may be, influencers that don't translate into sales. You're absolutely right, because when I started the Rich Arani collection, um, first of all, I didn't even start the collection because I felt the world needed another shoe designer. I was getting collections pulled out of my store because of distribution being in New York City. I had a store on Madison and Lexington Avenue, and people like Valentino and Balenciaga and Celine, they were just pulling collections like it was nothing. Like, they didn't think they can put me out of business. You know, I have a family now. I, I, this is a business I've had since I was a kid. I dropped yeah. out of high school, and that's how I supported my family. And But they just pulled collections, so I figured, let me come up with my own collection that I can bring people into the shop to look at something else, whether they buy it or not. So my route was not getting uh, somebody to model my shoes. I made extra shoes to give away to celebrities. That was my thing. And, you know, listen, I, it wasn't something that I enjoy doing. I felt like giving shoes to the most privileged people in the world 
annoyed me a little. Right. Well, it's it funny when you when you can afford stuff, people give you everything for free, right? When it's nauseating. You get everything for free, and the people that need the stuff for free are the people obviously that can't afford it. So it's a it's a funny uh, dichotomy, I guess you would say in that. Yeah, sense. funny. I don't know if it's funny. We're using that word wrong. <laughs> it's right. nauseating. Well, it's interesting. Let's it's say interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, like yeah. I remember Madonna coming in and buying shoes. Iman buying shoes. Cindy Crawford. Buy- I mean, they used to come in and buy shoes, and yeah. then all of a sudden something happened. Louboutin started giving his shoes away to the Kardashians, which I always talk about. I'm not going to repeat it, but you know that's what happened. He had an identify, like you said, marketing. He right. put a red sole. Everybody knew it was him. So yeah. he sent cartons of shoes to a gaggle of gorgeous girls on a reality show. And that's all he had to do. Yeah. So I chose to spend my money by giving away free shoes to celebrities that wanted them. And, you know, Beyonce wore them, Madonna wore them, yeah. and, you know, Kate Hudson and a whole list, which people that I don't even know. You know, I don't watch that much TV anymore. Right. And, um, you know, I don't like such identifiable actors anymore you know when you know too much about an actor suddenly i catch them acting i don't want to catch you acting do you know what i mean i just caught you acting especially don't you know which we'll get to later because i'm going to ask you your opinion on that too i think i know you like watching tv documentaries um okay so yeah so that's so that's that was my route was giving them away and getting a lot of press but i will say you're absolutely right with the exception of beyonce wearing my shoes which we must have sold 50 pairs in a day which was great we don't really get that many you know uh gabrielle union wore them two three times and beyonce wore them a few times but nobody th- people don't care anymore there's so much product scott yeah, there's yeah, so much product everywhere it's diluted everything nobody yeah. has to have anything anymore yeah and that's what's so scary about the fashion business and with covid now it kind of really destroyed it even more because now nobody has anywhere to go so now you've got that's all true. this product and now you haven't even know where to go so you don't even need it at 50 off or 60% off right right trust me rich i bought a leather jacket the other day i was so excited then i realized where am i going to wear this <laughs> like i've actually right. i don't know if i i think i wore it once so far in the last 3 or 4 months and but that's it right where are people going are they going to get dressed up and walk around their bathroom i mean what are we doing? Hopefully it won't stay right like this. Hopefully it won't stay like this. Where'd you buy it? Do you, do you shop online or do you go to stores? Uh, I mean, I always was a huge fan of places like Barney's. I love Fred Siegel in LA. I love, you know, the, the tastemaker spots. And, you know, there's certain men's brands I still really like. I even like the for the basics. I go to like All Saints and places like I that. I love but All Saints, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Fred Siegel here, Ron Herman. Uh, that's probably where I do the majority of my shopping. But again, I haven't really shopped too much in the last year or so, right. like most people. Uh, and back in the day, Barney's for me was always the best store in New York. Yeah, I lived down the block from Barney's, so that was my playground. That was my lunch place. Yeah. Fred's, I so love shopping. I mean, that was like one of my stops every time I come back to New York. It really, it really is sad to me. So it's yeah. funny. Um, we don't even. I used to want to live. You know, when we moved, we were um on 61st for such a long time by Madison, and then we had to move to like First Avenue, and I didn't want to move. But I'm so glad I did because it's so depressing now. If you're yeah. around Madison, yeah. Lexington, everything is closed. So yeah. it's not so bad being there. But I remember, you know, Brad has a twin brother that lives in LA and I have friends that live in LA. So we would go there a lot. And the shopping, you know, Fred Siegel Maxfields was also one of my yeah. favorite stores. Um, it was also- Maxfields is great if you want to spend $800 on a t-shirt. Right, I don't. But I used to like looking at designers. You know, I'd find something here and there. I'd buy one thing only. But, you know, I like they had designers nobody had, you know, like right. Paul Harden or Comme des Garçons or, sure, you know, sure. things they would buy different. But so I did like going there. And um, it was just, it was great. I mean, at the time when I would go to LA, it felt so great. I can't imagine what the shopping is like now with the stores there. Yeah, I mean, I've been to a few stores recently. A friend of mine just launched an activewear brand. So I went yesterday and I said to him, how's business? And, you know, like he said, I think most of them, most people aren't shopping at the moment. I mean, 
there are some places that will continue to do well, right? You always find that, for instance, if you talk about restaurants, which is another super sad thing, what's going on with the entire restaurant industry, but there's places like Sugarfish that are, that are thriving because Sugarfish in LA has, has got it down to science with the packaging, with the quality, with the delivery. So I'm sure the stores that are still doing well, and I'm sure the brands that are still doing well, but I mean, you go down, I mean, you, you literally drive past like Melrose or Melrose Place or wherever it may be, and there's tons of stores closed. I mean, it's sad. It's sad what's going on. So I, I don't know which brands are thriving at the moment. I think Gucci has done a lot of creative things during this COVID era. And if you look at some of the collaborations they've done, some of the online stuff they've done, obviously, I feel like that brand is still doing well. But I don't know if the majority of brands are doing well. I, I would imagine they're not, especially- They're not. But I will tell you, Gucci does have nine lives. I don't know how these yeah. people always come back from the dead. All right, this is great stuff. We're going to take a pause now, and we're going to come back next week with part two with my interview with Scott Lips. And Scott, I hope you're going to tell us about how you got the gig with Courtney Love as the drummer. I mean, that must have been pretty exciting for you and what it was like touring with Lana Del Rey, who happens to be one of my favorite artists today, and the New York City nightlife, which I know you were a fixture in. And I want to find out about your relationship status and what it's like being surrounded by supermodels. Stay tuned next week. You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you like what you heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life.com.